So praise the Lord. Everyone's got an outline. Now don't be put off by the amount of scripture there for all of you theologians. Um, I've put enough scripture in there to actually just support everything I'm saying. Whether we get to them, I'm not quite sure, but certainly in, um, when you go home, you're going to be able to read some of the scriptures that support uh, what we're going to be talking about um, um, this morning. And uh, actually the series that we're going to do, um, I think that I'm going to probably got another couple of uh, sessions that I want to talk about and, and I'll um, let you know in just a moment. But I mean, this is just so amazing to be able to dive into the scripture and have a look at the Old Testament and the New Testament and just see what God is putting together. You know, it's interesting how that there's just, as I said last week, there's much, much speculation and discussion on this subject and um, people really do not have an idea of what is about to take place on the earth. The majority of people have no idea what is about to, to take place in our generation. Um, but it's coming and we can't stop it. You know, there's those, in, um, those of us in the church, um, you know, that we believe we're going in the rapture. But you see, there's those in the church that don't believe in, in, in the rapture or they don't believe we're going in the rapture. They somehow want to tribulate. I can't understand that. <laughs> I don't want to. I'm, you know, I don't want to. I've not been called to tribulation. I've been called to life. <laughs> and I just know my dad and I know who he is and I know his character. And God says, you know, Jesus said, listen, if you being evil know how to give good, give good gifts to your children, how much more should your heavenly Father give good gifts to you? He has not called us to tribulation. He has not handing us his church, his precious bride, over to his enemy to destroy her. Absolutely not. It just doesn't make sense, even in the natural. You see, some people, you know, also with, with, to do with the rapture, they make fun of us. And they talk about, oh, it's the great escape. Well, yes, it is the great escape. It's the escape that God made possible for us, like he did for Noah. It was a way of escape. And so that is the great escape, and I don't mind, I don't mind saying that. And as I, I was talking last week, and I was saying that a lot of this era, you know, the, the doctrine, doctrinal era that has come about because people are trying to fit some pieces of the prophetic puzzle into places where it doesn't fit and they're trying to make things fit into prophetic um, you know, sort of timetables that they have created up in, them, in themselves. But if we actually start to have a look at Scripture and we follow all the way through, you can see that there is actually a consecutive track where there is a track of thought. I mean, even, even you know, and we're going to be having a look at Matthew today, and having a look at the thought process and, and the teaching of, of Jesus, you know, right from Matthew 13 all the way through to Matthew 18 when he says that, um, that I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Well, right there's a message of rapture, that he's building his church and when the government of hell comes to take over in the tribulation, he, he, he will not be able to. The gates of hell will not prevail against us. We're out of here. And so even that scripture, then he moves on into um, Matthew 23, and we're going to have a look at that, and then 24, and talks about end times. And so we can actually have a look and see that uh, God is not confused, and, and at the end times, and the, the last chapters, chapter of Revelations, it talks about in the end times, you now people are going to come and go, and there's going to be knowledge. He says, but at the end times, he says, we're going to know these things that are happening and going to be happening on the earth. Praise God. And so God doesn't want us to be ignorant of what's happening in the end times. Have a look at the scripture here. He wants us to discern the times. And this is Jesus in Matthew 16. And he says here, he answers, and he's talking to the Pharisees, and they're questioning him and they're testing him. 
And he's, he answered them and he says, When you see evening and you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning you say, It's going to be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. He says, You're hypocrites. He says, You know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks for a sign. No sign will be given them except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And then he left and he departed. Now we're going to pick up some of this in just a moment. But it's interesting, it's, impos- it's possible Jesus said that we can discern the time. And that's what we're wanting to do. God wants us to discern the time that we're living in. Now I'm not saying Jesus is going to come back and we're going to be raptured in the next year, in the next two years, the next five years. But we are closer than we've, you know, than we've been before. The church age has been around for 1,967 years. Who knows whether it's going to 2,000 years of being on the earth, whatever it is, but we are getting close. If the earth lease for man that God put it, gave man an earth lease for 6,000 years, he's given us, we're, we're about there right now. We're, I've got about another 15 years to go before that uh, 6,000 year period is up, or, or depending how we're working it with the Israeli clock. But anyway, let's have a look here. So it says here that we are, it's possible for us to discern, to discern the signs of the times. And it's important for us to do so. You know, it's interesting, in the, in the letters to the churches, the apostles wrote about end times. Peter wrote about end times. You'll find the apostle John wrote about end times. You see Paul wrote about it in Titus. Then he wrote about it in his first letter to the Thessalonians, then in the second letter to the Thessalonians. Paul, you know, was, was, a, was, a, rapture, was a pre-tribulation rapture teacher. And so I believe that uh, we can also go along with that. And so that's what we covered last, last week. So let's have a look at this. So what are some of the, uh, what does the words say that we need to watch for um, when we're talking about end times? I said last week that in order for us to um, rightly interpret Bible prophecy and scripture, we need to have a look at the three groups of people that God is talking to, the three groups that he deals with in scripture and in the earth. There's Israel, then there's the church, and then there's the nations. And so last week we looked at God dealing with the church during these end times. Today we're going to have a look at God dealing with Israel in end times. And then our next session I'm going to actually have a look at the book of Daniel and we're going to have a look at God dealing with the nations and what it's going to look like at end times for the nations. And so there's three people groups. And as we're reading the scripture, we need to know who is he talking to? Because there's no good us putting ourselves when God's talking to Israel. We're going to get totally off, off, off the target. And so last week, as I said, we dealt with the church and we didn't deal with everything to do with the church because I will actually go and teach another session on the judgment seat of Christ. People think that the church is going to be judged on earth. No, God's bringing his ambassadors home. When war breaks out on the earth, He's bringing the ambassadors home. He will judge his ambassadors at home, at the reward seat or the beamer of Christ. And we will be, we will be you know, judged for what we have done in this body while we're down here. And so end times is important because as we start to see what is going to transpire, it doesn't actually give us that much time to work our whole life and to give ourselves um, as a sacrifice, a living sacrifice to him, so that we're going to be rewarded in heaven for every hour that we actually give to our God. And so that's why it's important that we're here to serve the king. 
Okay, and so we're, we're having a look at t- um, this today. Where does Israel fit in the time clock? Where does Israel fit in end times? What does God have to say about Israel's future? And so we're going to have a look at some historical scripture uh, to give us an understanding of that picture. And as I said, in Matthew 16, Jesus talks about discerning the times. Then in Matthew 24 and Matthew 25, he's talking about what's going to happen to the temple, and we'll have a look at that. Then he talks about just before the end times, then he's talking about the tribulation, then he talks about the second coming. And it's talking to Israel. He's not talking to the church. He's talking to Israel. And so let's have a look at this. Let's just begin here by Matthew 23. And just by way of background, in Matthew 23, Jesus has been having some discussions with the religious leaders, and he was so frustrated with the religious leaders. He called them a brood of vipers. He called them snakes. He said that you're you know, like, like graves, dead men's tombs. He said, he said, when they were supposed to be the light of the world, when they were supposed to be the sign to the Gentiles of a covenant with God, they were absolutely dead. And so it's interesting some of the comments that Jesus makes about them here. And it's interesting as he's commenting here that you can notice in his, the way he's talking in the next few scriptures, you can notice that his focus starts to shift away from Israel and the covenant and he starts to look to the Gentiles. Why? Because right here, the time of the, of, of the Jewish clock is going to stop. There's one week to go, which is a seven-year period. But in the meantime, when that Jewish clock stops, the time of the Gentiles starts. And you can see that he departs from the temple, and once he departs, God withdraws from that place, the temple is smashed, and then the time of the Gentiles kicks in. It's incredible. Incredible story. So let's have a look at this here. Matthew 23, verse 37 to 39. He says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets, stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I say to you, you will not see me or you will see me no more until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then Jesus went out and he departed from the temple. He didn't go back into the temple after that statement. He left. The presence of God left. Very interesting. Now it's interesting he says here that your house, he's talking to Israel. He says, Israel, your house is going to be left desolate and you are not going to see me as Messiah until you say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Now it's interesting because he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey and they were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed he who comes in the name of the Lord. They got it wrong. They thought Messiah was coming, as I said to you last week, to set up his kingdom. No, that wasn't the time frame. And then when he didn't do what they said, they said, crucify him, he's not Messiah. Get, get, you know, and, and so they were trying to say, blessed is he that comes in the... It's now the time. No, it's not the time. You've got it all wrong. And so he says, you will not see me again. And he's talking about his second coming to Jerusalem for his nation, uh, uh, Israel. And so therefore he departed. So we can see here that Jesus rebukes them because they were not being the light of the world like they, they, they should have been. He went out and he departed from that place. And we, as I said, we're going to see that his focus starts to shift. After that time, he is crucified and the time clock for the church age starts. So let's carry on reading here. In Matthew 24, 
It says, Then Jesus came out from the temple and he was going away. And when the disciples came up to point out to him the temple buildings to him, he said, Do you not see all these things? He says, Truly I say to you that not one stone here is going to be left upon another which will not be torn down. And as he was sitting in the Mount of Olives, that the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when are these things going to happen? And what would be the sign of your coming? and of the end of the age. You see, it's interesting here that he just he just removed himself from the temple. God's presence just came down. Then you'll see the veil was torn in two when he was crucified. Um, but the disciples, they haven't caught the picture yet. And they're saying, look, Jesus, look at the temple. Isn't it beautiful? You see, the Romans had rebuilt it, and it was a magnificent work. Look at it. And Jesus turns around and says to them, that not one stone is going to be left upon another. This whole place is going to be destroyed. And so he is actually just telling them what is going to happen in the future. And so they come to him and think, my goodness me, they weren't going to ask him publicly, what do you mean by the temple is going to be destroyed? The Roman Empire, the soldiers in the streets right now, and Jesus is saying someone's coming to destroy the temple that they've just rebuilt. And so privately they come to him and they say, and they ask these questions. And Jesus said to them, what did he say? He says, do you not see all these things? He says, truly I say to you, not one stone is going to be left upon another until... They're all going to be torn down. And so they came to him privately and they asked him, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And so it's interesting that the disciples ask Jesus three questions. When is this going to happen? When is the temple going to be pulled down? And what is going to be the sign of your coming? And then what is going to be the sign of the end of this age? And so what we're going to do now is we're going to have a look and we're going to see Jesus answers those three questions. Now he is talking to Israel and he is talking about Israel. And so the first question, when is this going to happen? When are we going to see this temple torn down? I mean the Romans are here. Let's have a look here. I've given you on your outline, I've given you a breakdown on, this whole, on these whole passages of, of how things are going to transpire and how Jesus is going to explain and answer those, those different questions. You see, the first question, Jesus describes the, um, the temple, the destruction of the temple, and that actually happened in, um, by the Romans in 70 AD. And then he goes on to describe the second coming or the signs of the second coming, which we are going to be, we're a part of that right now. We're seeing signs. And we're still in that time when we're going to see signs happening. And then we're going to be raptured out of here. And then Matthew 15, or Matthew 9, I should say, Matthew 9 to 14, we're going to see the beginning of the tribulation. Starts right there. And so we're taken out in between Matthew 8 and Matthew 9. The church is taken out. And then we find Matthew 24, 15, it marks the middle of the tribulation. We're going to have a look at that. And then Matthew 24, 15 to 26 is the second half of the tribulation. And then 27 onwards is going to be when he actually returns and literally touches down on this earth. And so we're going to have a look at this and, and have a look and see the chronological order of what Jesus is talking about. And that Jesus is not jumping from one dispensation, which we talked about last week, to another dispensation. He's actually dealing with the dispensation of the law under Israel's reign. Okay, and so let's have a look at this first question it says here. When shall these things happen? When, are the, when is this temple going to be pulled down? Have a look here. 
and, and, and we're going to jump to Luke right now and we're going to have a look at this. And the reason I am doing that is because there's a scripture at the end of Luke that will tell you and show you that there is a difference between uh, the two descriptions of um, this attack on, on Jerusalem. And so Matthew, uh, Luke, sorry, Luke 21, 12, 16 to 17. Are we doing okay? Am I trying to explain it all right? All right. Okay, so Matthew, I'm not sorry, Matthew, Luke 21, 12, and then verses 16 to 17. He says, but before all of these things, talking about the temple, before all of these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before the kings and rulers for my name's sake. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death, and you will be betrayed, sorry, and, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. Okay, let's carry on reading. It's talking about the same thing here. It says, but when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near. Then let those that are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of her depart. And let not those that are in the country enter her. For these are the days of vengeance, that all things that are written may be fulfilled. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. For there will be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. Circle this people. And they will fall by the edge of the sword. Now look at this. And be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. So this is not talking about the church. This is talking about the destruction of the temple and the decimation of Israel that happened in the first century. And the key here is that it says there will be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people, on the Israelite people. And you will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive to all nations. Israel scattered to all nations. You see, to understand the scripture, we have to understand that the temple in 70 AD was totally decimated. The emperor Titus came in and he totally wiped out and decimated uh, the temple in, in, um, in, in Israel, in Jerusalem. And you find at that time, if you look at your history, the Israelites were scattered throughout the whole face of the earth. And she was scattered and has been scattered for nearly 2,000 years. And it was just at the turn of the century, of the 19th century, before the First World War, that these people started to come back in to their nation. It's incredible. Now have a look at this. You know, notice here, and this is what makes this different than Matthew 24 that we're going to read just a little bit later on. Notice here that Jesus didn't come and rescue them at this point. Whereas you'll see it's almost a stick and paste, cut and paste, and put it in Matthew, exactly the same thing. Woe to those that are pregnant, don't escape, and don't do this, and don't do that, and that. But you'll find there when all is lost, it says that Jesus Christ comes through the sky and, and, and lands on the Mount of Olives, splits the, two, the, the mountain in two, and, and every eye shall see him. 
And so this is here is talking about two different things, and, and this is Jesus explaining when the destruction of the temple will happen. And it was happening, and this kind of persecution, this language is talking to the nation of Israel. It is not talking to the church like some people would like us to believe and have taught in times past. Okay? And so let's have a look again. It says here, verse 24b, it says, And Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles. For how long? How long, Jesus? Until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Now, we are living in the time of the Gentiles. For the last 1967 years, Jesus rose from the dead in, in AD 33. You count that back right now when we are, and how long is that, mathematicians? I might have it slightly wrong. I don't know. Um, but we've been, we've been the last roughly 2,000 years, we have been in the Gentile age. We've been in the age of grace, the dispensation of grace. It's the church age. It's the, it's the time when the Gentiles can be saved. And that under the law, it was only Israel. And then the mystery, the mystery came. This wonderful time of grace where everyone can come on in to the kingdom of God. And so we find that here, that under that, what does it say? Until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. That the, the Gentiles are going to trample down this land, this promised land, this covenant land, this land where Jerusalem, where God said, I'm going to have my throne there for a thousand years. And then when the Gentiles are taken out, when the time of the Gentiles is finished and we're raptured out of here, we're taken out of here, we're translocated, we're going to come back into a seven-year period, seven years, one week of Daniel is going to be played out under the old dispensation, under the rules and the law and the judgments of the old dispensation. You look at the judgments that came on Egypt by God. And you will see in the tribulation the same type of judgments are coming on the, um, the, the Antichrist kingdom at that time in the book of Revelation. We're not called to judgment. The Gentile time is not a judgment time. You look at the stuff we're getting away with on the earth right now. The only things that are coming on people is because they've sown and they are reaping. And because there's a satanic force there that people are opening up the door. God is not judging anybody right now. We're under the age of grace. Praise God. And so let's have a look here. Question two. What is, and, so, and so that's dealing with the destruction of the temple which happened in 70 AD. And so those scriptures there, highlighted in your Bible, that has already happened. Okay, let's have a look at this next question. What is the sign of your coming? Now one of the most significant signs of his coming have been foretold that would take place as the sign of Israel becoming a nation again. It's absolutely crucial in this whole time. And that tells us that his second coming is close. And if his second coming is close, then that means the, the rapture is even closer because we're out of here seven years beforehand. And it's interesting how Jesus talks about that because he says when you see these, these things happening, you're going to know, you're going to see. So let's look at this. Ezekiel, in the Old Testament, God prophesied what was going to happen to the children, um, to the, uh, children or to Israel in 70 AD, it says, oh no, sorry, not 70 AD, when he talks about him bringing the, the, um, the children back into their own land. Ezekiel 36, it says here, For I will take you from among the nations, I will gather you out of all the countries and bring you into your own land. Then you shall dwell in the land, 
that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people and I will be your God. The desolate land shall be tilled instead of lying desolate in the sight of all that pass by. And so they will say, this land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden. And the wasted, desolate and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Now that's interesting. Then the nations that are, le- that, that are left, sorry, and then the nations which are left all around, you shall know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt the ruined places and planted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken this, and I will do that. Now we can see, and I'm quoting something that Stephen wrote. I was looking over some of his old notes uh, from, a, from a wee while ago. But he said here, after being scattered among the nations for over 2,500 years, the Jewish people began to return to, their, to the land of their forefathers in the late 19th century. And that's incredible. For two and a half thousand years they were scattered. And that was even in the time of Nebuchadnezzar and the time of those kings they were scattered. They never had come back as a people after King Solomon, King David, King Solomon. And they were one people and the powerful force. But once they had they'd gone away from God, they'd broken covenant with God, then all of the judgments um, from Deuteronomy 28 came upon them and they were totally decimated. Then they came back into to, to Israel. Um, you'll find Cyrus came and allowed Nehemiah to go back and build the walls and, and Ezra built the temple and they kind of rebuilt it. But it's just been one mess of destruction. And so the final destruction was in AD 70 where they were just scattered throughout the earth. And then we find that God says, I'm going to bring you back from the four corners of the earth and we're going to rebuild. And this place that was desolate, we're going to rebuild it. And look what it says here. It's going to be known as the Garden of Eden. Do you realize that Israel right now is known as the, is, is known as the, um, the what is it, that amazing, it supplies most of the vegetables in Europe right now. In fact, Russia is looking at Israel as the breadbasket. A lot of the food, you see Russia right now in the nations, she's in, a, in, a, in, a, in an area right now where she actually can't grow stuff, it's cold, and, that, and she actually gets all of her stuff from Israel coming up. And so it's going to be interesting because the Bible talks about a, a nation coming down from the north against Israel in the, in the end times. And so there's some amazing stuff um, that's happening here. And so look at this. So she was scattered for 2,500 years. She was starting to come back in the 19th century. Look at Isaiah 66, 8 in the NIV. It says, Who has heard such a thing? And who has ever seen such things? Can a nation be born in a day? Or can a nation be brought forth in a moment? Yet no sooner is Zion in labor than she gives birth to her children. And so we can see, I mean, God is prophesying about Israel that in, in, in the 14th of May in 1948, the modern state of Israel was born. Who's heard such a thing? I mean, can a nation be born in a day? God is saying in Isaiah, can, you, can a nation just be born? And yet in 1948, the nation was reinstated into her land after the Second World War. And she was given that land. And God is saying, this has never been heard before. I mean, you know, when, you, when a New Zealander goes and say, maybe lives in England or lives in America, you're next, and you have children there, that child becomes an American. But in Israel, you go anywhere in the world, and if you are giving, you're, you know, giving birth to children, they are Israelites. They're not, they're not Russians, they're not Polish, they're not Germans, they are still Israelites. They have kept their name. And so God says, this is incredible. This is one of the signs. Have a look. This is exactly what Jesus said in Matthew 24, talking about end times. Matthew 24, verse 32 and 3. And the New Living Translation. Jesus says, now learn a lesson from the fig tree. 
When you see its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you will know that summer is near. Then in the same way, he said, when you see all these things, you can know that his return is very near. It's right at the door. Wow. Wow. You see, the fig tree here is prophetic reference of the nation of Israel. God said that Israel was like this fig tree. Have a look here in Hosea. It says, like the grapes in the wilderness, I have found Israel. Like the first fruit on the fig tree, in its first season, I saw your fathers. Isn't that amazing? I mean, God is talking about, hey, that fig tree is talking about the nation of Israel where God made a covenant with Abraham. And he says, just like he said here, like the first fruits of the fig tree was Abraham. And in its first season, I saw your fathers. And God had a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He has a covenant with that nation of Israel. And God said, it's an everlasting covenant. And even though you have been scattered around the whole world, I know who you are, and I'm going to bring you back to your land, and I will be your Messiah. Even though you've rejected me time and time and time and time again, I will not break my covenant with your fathers. And so Jesus says here, I tell you the truth. He says, when you see, learn a lesson from this fig tree, learn a lesson from Israel. Church, Israel is, is, a, is, is a time clock for us to look at. When you see the branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know it's summer is near. And in the same way, when you see these things, when you see the fig tree begin to sprout, you know that that time of his return is very near. It's right at the door. Praise the Lord. Have a look at the next verse when Jesus said here in verse 34, Matthew 24, verse 34. He says, I tell you the truth. This generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Wow. That's pretty huge. Here we have the fig tree is Israel. We see that a nation is born in a day in 1948. The leaves start to speak of the, econo the economic situation. Israel's incredible. She was born in 1948, came back into her land, and she's already a world power. She has, she's, she's stood against war after war. Her army forces, her, her military force is huge and, and, and an incredible force to be reckoned with. She's stood against opposition, demonic opposition, nations inspired to challenge this little nation. And so see, Jesus also, you know, he qualified this food. He said, you look at Israel. He says, that's a sign that I'm coming. But then he turns around and he gives us another qualifier. He says, the generation that sees her born will not pass away until everything's fulfilled. Whew. <laughs> 1948. It's interesting. And so we've, we've seen her back in her land and that's, that's a major sign for us to look at. So 1948. It's interesting this year that her birthday, she's going to be 65 years old. In May, 14th of May, Israel's going to have, have been a, a nation for 65 years. And Jesus, and Jesus said that this, nation, that, that this generation will not pass away until everything that you have asked me is going to be fulfilled. So we're, so we're right at the door. And right at the moment, it's interesting that, G, that Israel's looking to make a peace treaty. I mean, that place is volatile. 
right now. You, I wouldn't want to live there. <laughs> but they're looking for peace. And right now the world is looking for peace. They're looking for a covenant of peace. A temple has to be built in Jerusalem. And right now the Muslims have got half of it from what I understand and Israel's got the other half from, from where, I, where, I, where I understand things. But it's going to be a temple where Israel is able to actually start worshipping God. She's not worshipping, she's not doing daily sacrifices yet. She hasn't come back into understanding her covenant. They're very secular right now. But God is still blessing that, you know, his, his hand is still on that nation. And so she's not worshipping Messiah right now. She's incredibly secular. But there will come a time that temple will come into place, it will be built in place, and then temple worship will start. The Antichrist will be the one that brings peace into that situation. Nobody else is going to bring peace. In fact, nobody else can bring peace except the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. He is Jehovah Shalom. And he will bring absolute peace. But the Antichrist is going to step in, and we're not going to be here by then. We'll be taken out, and then the Antichrist will make a covenant. When we're out of here, when we leave the earth, Remember we saw last week, it says that he that now restrains Antichrist will continue to restrain him until he's taken out of the way. And then the son of iniquity is going to start to do his work. And so we will see a peace treaty that is signed. We'll be looking from the bleachers in heaven. It will be a seven-year peace treaty. We'll find that Antichrist will break it in three and a half years and he will actually set himself up as God to be worshipped. Okay, and so that, that, that's, that's what's coming in. So have a look here. It's interesting, Matthew 23, 30, 32. It says, When the branches bud and the leaves bring, begin to sprout, you know summer is near. Now, summer is near is speaking of the, mill the millennial reign. Summer is near. The millennial reign is when Jesus Christ is reigning on this earth for a thousand years. That's the summer. That's the reign that he's talking about. You know that summer is near. And so Jesus Christ is, is, is about to come. He's about to set up his throne. could be 30 years. I don't know. Who knows what it is going to be. But it's nearer than it's ever been. Praise God. So let's carry on reading. Another sign of the time. So we've seen a major sign um, that is as close as that uh, Israel has been reinstated as a nation, that the fig tree is now blooming. She's now bringing forth. And this generation won't pass away. Look at some other stuff that's going to be happening in the earth in uh, Matthew 24, verse 4 to 6. It says, And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars, rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. And so we're hearing of wars, we're hearing of rumors of wars. I mean, goodness me, there's, there's, a, there's just so much going on on the news every night that you're seeing stuff breaking out everywhere. What does Jesus say? He said, well, the, but the end's not yet. It's not yet. Then he goes on to say, for nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there's going to be famines, there's going to be pestilence, there's going to be earthquakes in various places. All of those, or all of these are the beginnings of sorrows. So we see all of this happening right now. I mean, we are right in that time on Matthew 24, verse 7 and 8, we're seeing the wars, the rumours, war, the famine, the pestilence. And we're looking and we're going, my goodness me, what's going on? And Jesus says, this is the beginning of sorrows. It's just the beginning. It's not the tribulation, it's the beginning of. And it's interesting, that word, the beginning of sorrows, that word sorrows means birth pains, or birth pains in the, in the Greek. The word sorrows, 
and the Greek means birth pangs. And you know, ladies, if you've had a child and you know that those, those birth pangs that start and those mus- muscles start to contract and the baby's not ready to come yet, but the muscles start to contract and then those start to get, um, you know, there's you know, quite a few uh, hours apart and then they start to get closer and closer and closer until the time of delivery. And so we find right now that the earth, the Bible says in Romans 8, 22, it says the whole earth is right now groaning. Groaning in birth pangs, she's wanting to be delivered. The earth right now wants to be released from the curse of sin and death. The whole earth has had enough. It was not created for sin. It was not created for death. It was created to live forever. And so you can just see right now this whole earth is crying out for deliverance. She's crying out. She's travailing. And Jesus says, this is the beginning of sorrows. The labor pains are starting, but the birth hasn't happened yet. Praise God. And so what, so what we're seeing right now is that beginnings. And we can say, okay, well, we're in that time. But we can know that we look up because our redemption's drawing near. So let's have a look at this next verse or the next question that the, um, that the disciples asked. What will be the end of the age then, Jesus? And then verse 9, Matthew 24, verse 9, he goes on to say, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you're going to be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Now that sounded like the exact scripture that we just read in Luke when we were talking about the decimation of Israel in, the, in, in AD 70. Sounds almost similar to what we're going to be reading in just a minute. But look at the key here. It says here, you're going to be delivered up to tribulation. We need to stop right there and just say, okay, we're out of here by then. Between the birth pangs and we're now moving into tribulation, we are not here. And so we are just now reading what, what is going to be happening in Israel. Praise God. So they will, be deli- they will deliver you up to tribulation, and you will be hated by all nations. And so the you that Jesus is talking about is Israel. They're going to hate you, Israel. You can see right now, it says here, you will be hated by all nations. Now, right now, Israel still has some friends in the earth. I believe Singapore is still a friend. The United States was a very good friend. The the United Kingdom used to be a good friend, but Israel's losing her friends fast. Who's her greatest friend? Who's the greatest ally that Israel has on the earth right now? It's the church. It's the church that's in every nation, in every tribe, every tongue, every nation. The church is represented. But when the church is taken out, she's going to be hated by every nation. She's still got some friends. But when we're gone, she'll have nobody. And that's when she's going to look up because her redemption will come from Messiah. And so you will be hated by every nation. And look what this says here. Let's read on. And many will turn away from me. And, and, uh, sorry. And many will turn away from me, betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will lead many astray. Sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many will grow cold. But those that endure to the end shall be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all the nations will hear, and then finally, the end will come. 
Now, the end that Jesus is talking about there is the end of the tribulation and him arriving on the, on, on the face of the earth. It says here that the gospel will be preached, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to every nation and then the, and then the end will come. Right now, you know, right now the church should be preaching the rapture. <laughs> we're getting out of here. Because <laughs> once we're out of here, what are they, what's the gospel they're going to preach? Hey, he's coming. He, there's a second coming and it's going to be in seven years. Get saved. And we know right now, as I said to you last week, the tribulation is going to be the most powerful time of harvesting souls. Every, every word that has been spoken into the earth about the gospel, about the love of God, about salvation, is actually going to bring forth during that time. You imagine a billion or so people disappearing off the face of the earth. And you imagine people flicking on their television and looking at the news and all of a sudden there's 10 million people, there's 50 million here, Don, there's, there's, there's so many million here, all of these people. And, and some people will actually see them leave like they saw Jesus taken up into heaven, like Elisha saw Elisha taken up into heaven. And somebody obviously knew that Enoch was taken up because they were able to report that he was taken up because God took him. And so people are maybe going to see us leave the earth. The Bible talks about that this corruptible will put on incorruptible. This mortality will put on immortality. That's what will give us the ability to take off and get out and, and, and leave the earth. It says, in the twinkling of an eye we will be changed. Not the twinkling of an eye we will leave. The twinkling, twinkling of an eye we will be changed. Look in the time in the resurrection with Jesus. He walked through the towns and then there was people from the Old Testament that had come out of their graves and they were walking in the towns as well. Who knows whether we're going to be walking around for a day or two. And our new bodies. <laughs> Look, I can walk through a wall. I can eat food and still walk through the wall. And the food comes with me through the wall. How do you work that out? Jesus did that. He showed us it's possible. He was in his resurrected body. And so we will rise to meet him in the air. It says he will return with the voice of the shout of the archangel, archangel with the trump of God. And those that are dead in Christ will rise first and that we which are alive and remain will get caught up together with them and meet him in the air. And so he comes on that glory cloud to meet us. But this time round he's coming for Israel. He's going to touch down. And so you can imagine the amount of people that are going to get born again. And we've got to understand the heart of God. The heart of God is salvation. And so like I said to you last week, during the tribulation, you've got 144,000 um, people that are having, going to have the seal of God upon them that are preaching the gospel throughout the seven years of tribulation. You have the two prophets, Enoch and Elisha, who will come back and they will be preaching the, the gospel of the kingdom during that time. They will die. They lie in the street for three days and three nights. It says the whole world will see them. And then they will rise from the dead. And what is that? God is giving them, a, giving them a, an understanding that it is possible for someone to die and three days later to be raised from the dead. Get saved. I am the true God and King and your Messiah or your, or your Saviour. Then the Bible talks about angels going through the sky, declaring glory, glory to the Son of God. The time is short. Now these are incredible, powerful Old Testament signs and wonders that will be in operation during the time of the tribulation. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the earth. We haven't got to that place right now. And I know we take that scripture and say, hey, we've got to preach the gospel in all the kingdom. And that's what we have to do because Jesus says, go into Jerusalem, Judea, and the uttermost parts of the earth and preach this gospel. 
But here it actually fits into, during that tribulation period, Jesus is saying, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout all the earth during this time, to all the nations, and then the end will come. Praise the Lord. Now have a look here in verse 15 of Matthew 24. Then he's speaking to Israel and he's saying, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then he goes on to say, Those in Judea don't, um, must flee to the hills. But let's have a quick look at what Daniel says for just a second. This is what um, Jesus was talking about, Daniel's prophecy. Daniel 9, verse 24 to 27. Daniel's talking to Israel. She'd gone into sin, and basically, like Stephen had said a few weeks ago, you see, they were supposed to let the land rest every seven years. There was a sabbatical year where the land of the nation, they could till the land, they could work the land, but God says on the seventh year, I want you to rest it. And they wouldn't do as they were told. And so God actually judged them for that. And he actually made, made well, they ended up going into captivity for those periods of time that they owed the land and they owed God some time and they owed the land some time and they went into captivity to pay their debt. Interesting. So 70 weeks were determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of the sin and to make reconciliation for the iniquities, to bring everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy one. And so that's talking about that if something's wrong, someone has to pay. If you break the law under the Old Testament, someone had to pay. That's why the lamb was sacrificed every year for the sins of the people. Something had to pay. Someone had to pay. And so this is talking about that. It says, Now know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, that's when the Romans came in and restored and rebuilt Jerusalem, until Messiah the Prince, that's Jesus, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. Now those are years, those are seven-year periods, okay? The streets shall be built again and the walls even in troubled times. So just that part there is talking about the rebuilding of Jerusalem in Jesus' time until Messiah the Prince comes. Now have a look at this. And then after 62 weeks, Messiah, talking about Jesus, shall be cut off, crucified, but not for himself. And the people of the Prince, that's the Antichrist, who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. So that's talking about the Roman Empire in 70 AD. The end of it with a flood until the end of wars and desolations are determined. And so that happened all around 70 AD. I haven't got time to teach on that, but you can actually see if you break that down, you can see him talking about Israel and decimation. You can see it was rebuilt by the Romans. If you have a look at your history, then you see Jesus Christ came during that time and then he died. He was crucified, resurrected, and, that, and then the, the prince that is to come, which is the Roman Empire, because the Antichrist will come out of that old, that old kingdom and we'll have a look at that next time with the nations. You'll see the, 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 um, that beautiful being or that incredible being that Nebuchadnezzar had with the, the gold, the silver, the, the bronze, the steel or the iron, and the feet of iron and clay. And it talks about Antichrist coming out of the old kingdom, which was the Roman kingdom, which was the one with the, 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 with the iron legs, which was the longest reigning kingdom that there was on the earth at that time. 
And so you'll see that it says that Messiah and the city was decimated by who? Let's have a look. Okay, it says here, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself, and the people of the prince who is to come. The people of the prince who is to come is talking about the Roman Empire. Okay, shall come and destroy the city and the sanctuary and its end thereof with a flood um, until the end of the war's decimation is determined. Then verse 27 it says, and then he shall confirm a covenant. Now now we're talking, we're jumping right now 2,000 years later to the Antichrist now who is going to be coming out of the old kingdom that was um, the Roman Empire. It says, then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, which is a seven-year period. But in the middle of the week, three and a half years, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offerings. Okay, and so that's what Jesus is talking about here. He says, again in Matthew 24, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads it, let him understand. Okay, so Messiah, this false antichrist is coming on and he's making a covenant for one week, one week or one period of seven years. In the middle of that seven years, three and a half years, he is actually going to break that covenant. He's going to stop the sacrifices to Jehovah and he's going to set himself up. Now, Jesus says here, whoever reads this, let him understand. So let's now jump on to verse 16. He says, those, when you see this happening, you're in Jerusalem, you're in Israel right now, you see this happening, you see the covenant of peace has been made, and then you see this man stepping in and breaking and stopping the sacrifices to Jehovah. He says, be aware, what is he instructing? He says, then those that are in Judea must flee to the, must flee to the hills. A person outside the house must not go inside to pack. A person in the field must not return even to get a coat. How terrible it will be for those that are pregnant women and for mothers nursing their babies in those days. And pray that your flight will not be in the winter or on a Sabbath. Sabbath, why? Because at that time, Israel was not allowed to work. She's not allowed to walk around. For that, in that time, there will be great horror, that anything, the great horror more than anything that the world has ever seen and will see again. In fact, unless the time of calamity is shortened, the entire human race will be destroyed. Why? Because Messiah, because sorry, not Messiah, Antichrist, the false prophet, and Satan are starting to have a heyday in the earth right at this point. The nations are gathering together at the Battle of Armageddon. China or a, a, a army coming down from the east, coming down from the north. I mean, it's an absolute mess. The, 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 the earth is going to be an absolute mess of war. It says here, but it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen people. We could put there Israel. Then if anyone tells you to look, here is Messiah. See, we're talking about this, the Messiah that they are believing for, the Messiah that is going to come, the Messiah that's been prophesied in the Old Testament. And so it says here that if anyone tells you, look, Messiah is here, or there he is, don't pay attention. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise and perform great miracles, signs and wonders, so as to deceive, if possible, even God's elect or God's chosen ones. See, I have warned you. So if someone tells you, look, Messiah is out in the desert, don't bother going and look to look, or that he is hiding here, don't believe it. Then verse 27 says, for this is what Messiah is going to look like. For as the lightning lights up the entire sky, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. 
and, and sorry, this goes on to say, just as the gathering of the vultures shows the carcasses thereby, so these signs indicate that the, um, that the end is near. Immediately after those horrible day, days end, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give light, the stars will fall from the sky, the power of the heavens will be shaken, and then at last the sign of the coming of the Son of Man will appear in the heavens, and there will be deep mourning among all the nations of the earth, and they will see the Son of Man arrive on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he will send forth his angels with the sound of a mighty trumpet blast, and they will gather together his chosen ones from the farthest ends of, the, of, of heaven and earth. So that's the second coming. It's different than the one that was spoken of in Luke. It looks like the same. The backdrop looks the same. Don't flee. Woe to those that are, 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 are with child. At that time, they weren't rescued. They were scattered through the nations. Then they were brought back in 1948. And then we can see the earth moving into this time, coming close to the time of this tribulation, of this last week that is to play out. The church is going to be taken out of here. The same thing's going to happen. Satan's going to come and try and, and, and make covenant, try and rule the earth. And just as he puts himself on the throne and starts to try and rule, God's going to split the sky and say, get off, the throne's mine. The crown is mine, the earth is mine, the people are mine. And the people of all the earth will have absolutely no excuse. They would have seen signs and wonders and miracles. And, and, and at the last moment, before he comes down, they need to cry out to God and get saved, otherwise the door's closed forever. That's it on this earth at this point in time. Praise the Lord. And so we find out here Zechariah saying the same thing. Before the day of the Lord's coming and your spoil will be divided in your midst, for I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. The city shall be taken, the houses rifled, the women are ravished. Half of the city will go into captivity, but a remnant of the people shall, be not, shall not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And in the days his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And Mount of Olives shall split in two from east to west, making a very large valley, Half of the mountain shall move towards the north, half towards the south. Then you shall, uh, then you shall flee through the mountain valley, for the mountain valley uh, shall reach Azel. Yes, you shall flee as you fled in the earthquake. And then it goes on to say, Thus the Lord my God will come and all his saints with him. So we're not in that battle. We're coming with the king. We've been up there for seven years with him, no doubt going through training, no doubt going through learning how to walk in the spirit now that we are fully um, resurrected spirit, soul and body. Jude says the same thing and he prophesies the same thing. Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them and all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in ungodly way and all the harsh things which the ungodly sinners have spoken against him. You'll see in the book of Revelations people just absolutely cursing God. Why would you want to do that? Praise God. And so we can see here that as we look at the end time events, we've had a look at what the church looks like in end times. We've had a brief look at what Israel, what is going to happen in Israel, what it looks like. Jesus says that we've got some signs coming up right now that we can see in the earth. I guess what we're looking for, Israel, is the time clock. We're looking for the temple to be rebuilt. 
um, that will definitely be a sign how long that takes. But definitely 1948, um, Jesus said that when the Israel becomes a nation, when the fig tree, tree begins to bloom again, then you know that generation will not pass away until everything has been fulfilled. And so what is our response now? Well, it's interesting how if you read the Gospels and you read some of the, uh, not the Gospels, the letters to the churches, like it says here, um, and I don't think I put it in your outline, when John was talking, he says, see, when we're talking about these things, he says, dear friends, he says, now, dear children, he says, uh, what we say, uh, what, 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 in fact, well, let me read it, it says, dear children, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been known, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him how, as he is. He says, therefore, everyone that has this hope in him purifies himself for he, because he is pure. Now it's interesting that everyone that has this hope, if we have this hope of a king that's the most magnificent being that he's coming back for us, then I will purify myself. I will live my life for him. I know when I first got born again as a young believer, I spent much time reading the book of Revelations, chapter 1, where his eyes are a flame of fire. And his mouth, out of his mouth comes you know, the sound of many waters. And I started to just you know, sort of immerse myself and what my king looks like. He's not a baby. He's not on the cross. He's a risen king. He's a risen savior. He's my Lord. He's my king. And I will actually give my life to serve him. And so anyone that has this hope in them will purify themselves, even as he is pure. And so this message is not about us being frightened and, oh, I want to live my life and do my thing. I'm here to serve the king. I've got eternity to do all the things that I need to do and want to do. And I mean, the Bible talks about expressible things that God has for us in eternity. But while I'm down here, I have been enlisted in the army. I have been enlisted to run the race that is set before me to endure uh, what I need to endure, to do what I need to do so that I can receive the prizes that he has laid up for me in heaven. And so that's what this, this gospel message is about, is that we're here on purpose for the king. We're here to serve him with our lives. We have gifts, we have talents, we have abilities, we have a mouth to speak to be able to share the gospel with others. And so our job right now is to get ourselves in the book and to actually equip ourselves and to get ourselves strong in the Lord so that we can move in the power of his might and do what we need to as the end time church. We are the salt of the earth. We are the preservative. And while we are here, Satan cannot do what he wants to. While we are here, when the light is taken out, darkness will take over. But we are the light. And while the light is here, God, you know, Jesus says, if the salt has lost its flavor, what good is he? And so we're here to be the flavor of our societies, of our schools, of our workplaces, and to actually allow, to, allow them to see Jesus Christ in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so for me, this is the most amazing message. Absolutely. And it's a serious message. And yet, and yet we can have fun with God, and God is an amazing person, but we can think, my goodness me, all right, I'm going to count the costs. I'm giving my life. I'm doing what I need to do. I'm getting myself ready and, and, and serving him in the earth as it is right now and what he wants me to do. Praise God. How great is our God that we're seeing this God's turning up, our king is turning up, and when Satan thinks he's won the battle, our, our, our God breaks through the skies. I know those were a lot of scriptures, but I thought I had to just had to give you those just to support everything, because it's one thing to say stuff, but if you can see it in the Word, it kind of supports it supports what God is doing and, and what God is saying, and, and, and um, helps us to, I guess, 
believe according to the, to the word.